Today on the Orthodox Ethos Podcast, we examine the philosophical and religious outlook found in the proponents of transhumanism from an Orthodox theological and spiritual perspective. This lecture was based on a paper delivered at a conference held in Athens, Greece, at the War Museum on January 22, 2023, and entitled Transhumanism, Threat for Man. Thank you for joining us and God bless you. Good evening, God bless. We're very happy you're joining us for this extended podcast on a very important topic that for most of us is and or has been in the realm of something like science fiction, a, a myth, and yet we see that there are very uh, powerful human beings in this world who are committed to this uh, dream nightmare of transhumanism. So we'll be examining it tonight, we'll look at it, and we'll be drawing from the lecture that we gave just a few weeks ago in Athens for a conference uh, dedicated to the topic. Uh, it was organized by the Estia Patericon Meleton, which is a uh, institute for patristic studies in Athens, founded by the uh, the blessed and ever memorable Father Sarandis Sarandu, who uh, who and his spiritual children who put this conference on, and we were a part of uh, of, of several lectures. Uh, we were looking. I was looking particularly at the question uh, from a spiritual and theological perspective, and so that's what we'll be doing tonight. We're not going to get into the to the uh, mechanics. We're not going to get into the science. We're not going to get into the uh, history so much. We're going to look at it philosophically and theologically and spiritually from an Orthodox Christian perspective. So let's jump right into it. We'll add to the stream our slides. Transhumanism and Orthodox analysis. And you see the images here of some of the intellectual uh, forefathers of contemporary transhumanism. As always, with all of our podcasts, we strive and we pray that we are successful to follow the Holy Fathers, for it is impossible to come to know the truth or to grasp theology in any other way but by following the saints. And so this is what we attempt to do to apply whatever we have in our uh, uh, possession, all the weapons, the spiritual weapons that the Holy Fathers have given us. And we'll begin with a quote from our father among the saints, the great ascetic of California, believe it or not. Two persons and two paths are before us. According to Father Seraphim, if the person, if we, each one of us, cannot believe in Christ, then inevitably we will accept and, and believe in the Antichrist. And it is this question that's always before us throughout church history. Just a few days ago, we had the feast of the, on the new calendar, we had the feast of the meeting of the Lord in the temple. And the gospel reading is extremely instructive. For it says there, according to the prophecy of the great elder Simeon, who received the Lord in his uh, arms with great expectation as he had been informed by the Lord that he would see the Messiah. And he prophesied that this 
This child would be for the fall, the rising and fall of many in Jerusalem, that he would reveal the hearts of many and that he would be a sign to be spoken against, simio antilegomenon. And this is indeed the reality of the church and the truth and the church throughout church history for 2,000 years. Christians and Christ and the church, the body of Christ, have been at either the reveal, it's been about the revealing of hearts, it's been a sign that's been spoken against, it's been persecuted, it's been driven out, it's been crucified, just like the Lord, and this age is no different. In fact, it's much more so as we get closer and closer to the end of history. So let's look at what is this transhumanism? Well, we start right off with immediately with its identity. It's 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 taftoti that we'd say it's uh, it's it's ID card. Let's say, and this is that transhumanism is but the latest and perhaps the last expression of the primordial temptation and lie of Satan to the first formed, to become God, to become as God, rather, os theos, without God. As it says in Genesis, in the day ye eat thereof, that is the serpent said to Adam and Eve, and recorded in Genesis, in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods. This was the line, this is the, perennial temptation and lie of the enemy uh, of our salvation. In its rejection of the Theanthropos Christ, in favor of the creation of the inverse, an Anthropos Theos, a man-god, it is plain to see that transhumanism is utterly satanic in inspiration. It's the serpentine inversion of God's will and plan for man to become gods by grace, God in cooperation, in synergy with God, right? Man with God, God with man, a, a, a loving union and communion. This was by lying that he would become God, by altering man's human nature. And this is apparent to the naked eye that this is utterly satanic. This is what transhuman humanism presents to us. But it's also confessed plainly by some of the prophets of the transhumanist religion. And perhaps more than anyone globally, this man is known as one who is preparing the way for the rise of transhumanism. Uval Noe Harari, who is from Israel and is a academic there, who has written some very influential books that leaders of this fallen world read religiously. And he fantasizes that transhumanists and their co-belligerents will take men beyond evolution. It's very important, beyond evolution, and turn them into gods. He says, having raised humanity above the beastly level of survival struggles, we will now aim to upgrade humans into gods, and turn homo sapiens into homo deus. This is perhaps one of his most well-known sayings. He's very gifted and talented in coining a term that will remain and does express, indeed, the spirit of the age. Some say that he is simply trying to warn us because it's inevitable we're going to enter into this new age and that we, we need to be 
it, doing it in such a responsible way, supposedly, and he is actually trying to protect humanity. I do not agree with that estimation of his work. I think he is fully committed to the project and is preparing the way. And many times with the in the in the uh, methodology of the the new world order and all the rest of the, uh, the the transhumanist and the great reset and all this that we see in here, we see that they repeat something ad nauseum to prepare us to say it is inevitable, right? This is very much present in the writings that I examined in transhumanism, that it is unavoidable. We will reach the singularity, as they call it. We will reach the point of no return. We'll reach the point where AI will take over. And so they say it again and again, they will be saying it for the next 20 to 30 years, and they will do it in such a way that will essentially mankind will uh, be brought into a kind of state of expectation like n never before for this uh, uh, new level of humanity or, or superhumanity, which is really subhumanity. He talks about it being an upgrade. And this terminology that we get from computer science and all the rest is very much present. Uh, big data and many other things you'll, you'll hear tonight uh, talk about an upgrade of, of, of humanity. But an upgrade to what? Certainly not deification in Christ, certainly not theosis. It's a parody or a inversion of what God has promised and given to us in the church and to the saints. And we've seen again and again for 2,000 years men and women achieving or rather being gifted and working together with God and being perfected in Christ. This is what we experience and we live in the church. Now the, the enemy, who is just the ape of God, is coming to imitate and to do the same through his means, through the inspiration of his servants, and trying to present to us a path, again, the same temptation for thousands of years since the Adam and Eve, to go by another path to that which God desires to give us. Simply, we need to humble ourselves. But no, Lucifer and all his servants will never humble themselves. And... It's extremely present in all that you read and see in transhumanism. This, this luciferic pride is screaming off the pages and off the uh, Internet pages. And so they want to be gods, but not gods by grace, not God that we know in the scriptures, but the gods of Mount Olympus. Listen to what uh, Harari says. Uh, th this is really nothing new under the sun because the neo-pagans, like the pagans of old, simply and unsurprisingly are after power. It's all about power. And it's in the uh, nihilistic mentality of Nietzsche, the will to power, this is very much present in all of the transhumanists. And he says, modern, Iron Curran actually reviewing the book says the following, and we quote Harari in this, in this excerpt from his review of the book, Modern science and technology have made powers once attributed to these gods, such as the ability to create and design life. Create is uh, a bit of a stretch. Create and design life. Read minds. Communicate at great distances. Control the environment. Travel at high speeds and live forever within the collective grasp of human beings. This is the claim and the, the quest of the transhumanists. Thus, Harari predicts that sometime in the future, 
You might buy for yourself the strength of Heracles, the sensuality of Aphrodite or Diti, the wisdom of Athena, and the madness of Dionysius, if that is what you're into, he says. This parody of deification is consistent with his fellow transhumanist unsympathetic view of, and really to the point of disdain of human beings. You see here a picture that I found online of Harari by someone who is ringing the alarm bell. Here he is in meditation with like a Hindu god with all of the sick uh, results of transhumanism at his fingertips around him, the skulls, and there's more to the picture which I cut off. Of course, he's dreaming of this, of this upgrade to the passionate and to the pagan gods of Mount Olympus, certainly not union with the extremely humble, crucified, and risen Jesus Christ. This is the return of idolatry, and there's no shame at all uh, in these uh, these new idol worshipers. They're very much interested in this. So there's a disdain of the human being and creation itself. Uh, they exalt not man, although they are inheritors of the great humanistic apostasy from Christianity of the West. They exalt not man, but their idea of what they want man to become. And just as they move away from humanism, although humanism has dreamed up this, as you'll see as we go forward, all the way back to Bacon, Francis Bacon, uh, we see already the seeds of all of this. And you can even go further back, I suppose. But certainly back to the Enlightenment, we have all the seeds here present. But they move away from humanism and from a homocentric, human-centered, to a data-centric view. Because data is what gives them the power that they're after. They simultaneously demote God to a superhuman state of godlike powers. In other words, their vision of what God is is, is is a parody, is a joke. It's so far from the true God and what has been revealed in the scriptures. And just as they demote man and elevate man to some demigod, they at the same time have to uh, bring down God to a very pathetic level, and they want to obtain that, that kind of, Olympian godlike uh, status. Of course, it's all within the passions, which means it's all under the power of the demons because behind the passions are the demons. But this is an unavoidable consequence and an irony. For man is made in the image of God and such that the distortion or rejection of man brings the same to God, right? They must reject God, because they reject the image of God. And this is really at the core of the theological problem here is that rejecting the true man, the true image of God, of man, which is from his creator, they reject the creator, and then they create idols, and they fall into the same perennial temptation uh, of the demons uh, from the devil from, from the beginning. And one of the transhumanist who's written this book on the left, you see here, designer evolution, a transhumanist manifesto. He says, 
as humanism freed us from the chains of superstition, let transhumanism free us from our biological chains. Nick Bostrom is another prophet along with Simon Young and Harari. And he's a transhumanist pioneer and says, reminiscent of Nietzsche, that transhumanist dream of the day that feeble humanity will be transcended, overcome, and become post-human. He says, transhumanists view human nature as a work in progress, a half-baked beginning. So you see the disdain for humanity, the, the not, not accepting the fact that at all, of the, the fact of the fall of man, right? No recognition that there was a fall, obviously no recognition that there was a paradise, no recognition of anything. They're totally blind, entirely blind to the reality of humanity and God and, 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 and the history of, uh, of the human race. A half-baked beginning that we can learn to remold in desirable ways, we will remold humanity. Current humanity need not be the end point of evolution. Transhumanists hope that the responsible use of science, technology, and other rational means with that responsible use, we shall eventually manage to become post-human. Beings with vastly greater capacities than present human beings have. So through this gross and unethical manipulation of nature, genetic engineering, pharmaceutical drugs that we saw with the COVID period, we saw a huge and abrupt global frenetic and fanatic introduction of pharmaceutical experimental uh, genetic experiments on human beings across the globe. This is definitely a part of the march toward transhumanism and cybernetic enhancements to our physical, our emotional, our cognitive makeup, transhumanist scientists seek to re-engineer the human race and transform us into an entirely new species, maybe even get rid of the human race entirely. This is one of the, uh, among some of them, they're very excited about this and others are very afraid and, and, and uh, sounding the alarm, even within the transhumanist movement to this potential end of humanity, the extinction of human beings. Others are very excited about creating the new man. Very much use this term, and it's been a term used uh, for quite some time among humanists, and it's been used by Father Seraphim Rose in his prophetic word toward all of us who came after him about what is coming. And this is the new man. This is the Superman of Nietzsche. This is the new man of the of the nihilists. Who the whole point of not the nihilist uh, dialect, the nihilist process here over the last 100, 150 years, from the nihilism of destruction and the and the all of the, the the tearing down of the old world, the old order, even the even the architecture had to be turned down, tear down. That we remember nothing of the Christian vision of man. All of that is preparing the way, not just to a nothingness and an end in nothingness, but indeed a, a the new man, the the man uh, uh, of iniquity, the Antichrist. 
So the godless aim here of these transhumanists is nothing less than living forever fallen sinful lives, whether through enhancements of organic bodies, replacements of bodies with artificial ones, or by upholding people's minds to a virtual medium, like uploading themselves to the their, their minds supposedly to the uh, internet of all things, and so they can retrieve it one day when their bodies are uh, brought back through a variety of fantastic ideas that they have for the future of humanity. The transhumanist is, a, is the dreamer with technological power to design and enact his own evolutionary future. This is why we are approaching, as you'll see, the end of evolution, because now they're taking it in their hands. They're designing man from uh, their own uh, godlike powers that they've assumed, they think they've assumed. The transhumanist is a demiurge that brings together a series of interconnected forces that will bring forth the hope-for future of the post-human, a godlike being. Now, I'm quoting a very good paper, several papers that were given to me by Jeffrey P. Bishop, who is a, uh, I think, if I understand correctly, a recent convert to the Orthodox faith, former Anglican clergyman, who's written a number of very important papers that I found extremely helpful, and I appreciate uh, Jeffrey uh, sending me his, his, his work and for uh, others pointing me in that direction. The prospect of eternal life in a fallen, corrupt world is truly hellish. It's a hellish existence sought by transhumanists. This hellish existence was providentially averted, first by man's exile from paradise and then his eventual death. Far, given the fact that we fell, Far from it being a punishment, the Lord allowed for this eventuality so that we might not eternally be fallen. We had to leave paradise at the point where there was no repentance and no return, because then this new state, this fallen state, would end up being eternal. There had to be an end to this, and the Lord mercifully gave us death. This is the patristic teaching. Of course, death then in turn must be overcome now not by of course, a man, but by the God-man, the Theanthropos, the only one that could overcome death. He must then overcome it by his own resurrection of our humanity. And this is what happened in the resurrection of Christ. And not only did he rise from the dead, but he took that human nature and he put it at the right hand of God the Father, which now our human nature sits at the right hand of God the Father. And this is the promise of Immortality. This is the promise of becoming gods by grace, according to St. Athanasius the Great and all the church fathers. This is what the, the, the has been given in Christ. And now this satanic inspiration of transhumanism, post-humanism, and all of this is exactly to undo this, to point humanity toward the man of iniquity, to lead toward uh, the fulfillment of the plans of, of the devil from the beginning, right? So, but... It is tragic that they want to live in this fallen world forever, exactly what God allowed to bring an end to that, both with the death and then the resurrection of Christ. No invention of sinful fallen man, no matter how far-reaching or revolutionary, can ever overcome death 
for the simple reason, there are many reasons, but first and foremost, for the simple reason that death is first a spiritual event and only secondarily a biological event. And these poor, tragic human beings who do not understand that a bio, the biological existence is not the only thing that man has. And first, first and foremost, there has to be a spiritual resurrection. There has to be a spiritual regeneration. And we could talk about that, in fact, for hours about what God has given us and the future uh, in Christ. But they, this is beyond their reach. It's totally beyond their reach for uh, for them to achieve this uh, this goal, uh, and yet they 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 plowed on in 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 delusional hope that they can overcome uh, death in their quest for self deification and the forging of the new man. The transhumanists are returning to idolatry, playing God and imitating Lucifer, who gazed upon the light of his own intellect and worshipped it, the creation, as the creator, giving not glory to God, but exalting themselves to equality with God. They are, therefore, the very clearly the forerunners of Antichrist. This is the return of idolatry, brothers and sisters. This is the epitome of idolatry, to worship the intellect, like Lucifer worshipped his own intellect. Instead of giving glory to God, the source of his light, which he only reflected like a mirror, he turned inward egotistically and said, I am the source of everything that I have. And he gave not glory to God and immediately he fell from the heights. And this is what they're doing. They're imitating Lucifer. And some of them make no, they do not hide this fact. They make it clear that this is who they're following. They are therefore, therefore very clearly, again, I say, forerunners of Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. They are the contemporary successors of previous apostles of Antichrist, Nietzsche, Marx, and other utopianists, yet now freed from the need to destroy the old order that's been taken care of already, they are singularly focused on the forging of singularity, as they call it, that is the technological superintelligence, a chiliastic post-human paradise nightmare, which they are trying to forge. Transhumanism is also the end of evolution, both in terms of the goal and in terms of the end of this phase in the natural selection, supposedly, of, uh, of creatures. We now are coming to the end. We're coming to a new beginning. And this is, uh, this is apparent from everything that they're attempting to do, take it in their own hands. The transhumanist disdain of humanity, the corollary of its rejection of God, is nothing new, but indeed it has its roots deep within the European Humanism and the Enlightenment Project. At the heart of the Enlightenment Project was the sense that through human ingenuity, human reason can discover the secrets of the heart of reality, harnessing the powers of nature for the betterment of mankind. This is why the Enlightenment, brothers and sisters, which shaped 
all modern na Western nations, including the United States, perhaps more than any other country, the United States was shaped by the Enlightenment ideas, by people like this man here, Bacon and others. That's why it is so anti-Christian at its heart. It's so it's an apostasy from the true Christian vision because of exactly this arrogance and this exaltation of human reason above everything, including God. And of course, not even a recognition that the human being has a spirit, has a noose, right? Has an organ in which he communes with God. It's simply human reason became the end all and the driving uh, uh, force between behind all uh, betterment, all improvement of mankind. The driving force is this. The driving force is the Baconian purpose to relieve the human state of its frailties. This is the heart of uh, the European human humanist project, the Enlightenment project, right? To relieve the humanist state of its frailties, but also relieving it of its very humanity. Because of course, if it's not made in the image like this God, it's not end is in God. It doesn't even have reference to the spirit of noose of man. Well then the very humanity of man is being lost to this very desire to relieve the human state of its frailties. Or put differently, transhumanism is of a cloth with the Balconian project, begun in the 17th century, finding its culmination in the post-human vision of the future. This is all from Jeffrey Bishop, and we appreciate very much his work on this. In an exact inversion of the Christian understanding of history, man, as man progressively falling away from God, right? This is the Christian understanding that as history goes on, man inevitably will fall away and will, at the end of the world, the Lord will come back and he will say, will I find faith on the earth? And of course, faith, trust in God is the basis for all progress in toward theosis, right? Without that, there is no theosis. There's no God by grace. There's no union with God. So the fact that the Lord asks, will I find faith at the end of the world, means that they had fallen away from, entirely fallen away from at the end of humanity, end of history, uh, the gift of salvation, the gift of theosis that God gave with his incarnation. So we are expecting the dissolution. And in fact, that's what we see. We see barbarism a more barbarian humanity than ever in the 20th century. More death, more destruction, more perversion, more distortion. And the fact that people can stand in this state of things and talk about perfecting humanity and overcoming is truly phenomenal. The blindness of contemporary man to his own state is truly just unbelievable. You stand and you say, how can man not see their utter subjection to the passions and slavery to the passions. And yet they talk as if they are greater than all that have come before them. They've arrived. We've arrived now. So the transhumanists are the exact opposite of reality. As faithful evolutionists, they believe humanity is on the verge of achieving God-likeness without God. Even as they disdain and move away from man's biological roots, transhumanists like Ray Kurzweil we see they're filled with an unbounded hubris and optimism in the promises of evolution to bring ever greater complexity, greater elegance, greater elegance, greater 
knowledge, greater intelligence, greater beauty. Unbelievable, really, the, the, the blindness of this writer. Greater creativity, greater levels of subtle attributes such as love. <laughs> wow. I just stand in awe of the total and utter blindness of these people to the reality of where we are in terms of humanity. We don't even know the, the meaning of beauty and love any longer. We don't even have our own identity. We, meaning in society, we see these trends of human beings not even knowing if they're what they are. They're men, they're women, they're created in God's image. What is the purpose of their life? And yet, this man believes with unbrounded hubris and optimism, he's going to arrive at greater complexity, greater beauty, greater love. Though they move away from God and overcome man's biological limitations, they are nonetheless convinced that they are engaged in a spiritual undertaking. How is that possible? Well, only in a Gnostic sort of way can they understand that. They are correct in a Gnostic sort of way. The spirits that are animating their ascent, however, are the fallen spirits, the demons. And they're not leading them to superhumanity, but subhumanity. This is the tragedy of these men who perhaps truly desire, some of them, a greatness for humanity, but they're going in the opposite direction. Again, J.P. Bishop observes concerning the transhumanist faith in man's rational powers to transcend man. At the light stage of its existence, the human stands on the brink of a choice, adapt or go out of existence. This is according to the transhumanists. Never mind that in sowing its own evolutionary existence, it creates the conditions of its own demise. In other words, the irony here is that as they, they say we must adapt, otherwise we will go out of existence, they adapt and go out of existence as human beings. So they are, they are painting humanity into a corner and they're damning it to its own demise, its own destruction through their own means and or their own attempts at elevating humanity. This is the great tragedy that we're facing. Their belief is that by its rational powers and its ability to design its own evolutionary future, the human animal can outwit its collapse into the abyss. You see the imagery here of the transhumanist, right? This is the human being now is going to become what? What is that? A totally different cyborg kind of existence. In this designer evolution, is this designer evolution particularly, uh, you know I mean? in this designer evolution, particularly powerful people endeavor to steer the evolutionary movement along the path of complete mastery and control over all that was, is, and is to come, giving greater power to and greater aggrandizement of a particular form of human being. Here, the only hand guiding evolution, brothers and sisters, is the transhumanist, or perhaps a certain elite among the transhumanists. Transhumanist post-humanity thus ironically brings the inevitable end to evolution. Selection is no longer natural. Transhumanists are in the driver's seat, tweaking and directing evolution. You've seen it, in fact, in our own days. You just saw, if you were paying attention, here in the left-hand corner, you see an image from the Project Veritas expose of a Pfizer uh, uh, 
scientist and manager who said that they are mutating COVID via directed evolution to continue profiting from the vaccine. So this is very much very contemporary, what we're talking about, not in the future. We're not talking about something that may happen, although there is much uh, hope in the future put into you know dreams and, and myths that they're 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 going to achieve great and amazing things like immortality. Right now, however, this whole vision uh, is 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 being carried out. You see this also. This woman, Dr. Natasha Vita Moore, who's very well known. She's from Arizona. She has her own uh, business of freezing bodies so they can be uh, resurrected, I suppose, when and if death is overcome. And she's very much a part of this self-directed human evolutionary movement. So transhumanism is thus at once the last mutation of the evolutionary outlook and its effective end, at least as an agent-less development, supposedly. Right? They're directing evolution into consciously willed program of manipulating and transcending nature. These are not, uh, these are going to be movements and ideas that you'll see grow continually as we go forward. So transhumanism was born after nihilism, after the death of God, raised in chiliasm, this utopian belief of uh, the perfectibility of fallen man, right? All of the utopias that we've lived through for hundreds of years now, this is the latest of the, and the greatest of the of all the utopias that man has thought up, transhumanism now uh, flourishes in a completely new condition of existence, according to Father Seraphim. That's a phrase from Father Seraphim Rose of the post-revolutionary new age ruled by anarchy. And of course, anarchy here has the ruler of this world behind it. So it's both uh, yes and anarchy and no, it's not an anarchy at all. It's directed evolution by the demons and populated by supermen or men that think they're going to become superhuman. As Father Seraphim Rose wrote more than 60 years ago, this is the revolutionary dream that has stirred men into performing the incredible drama, the incredible drama of modern history. It is the ap apocalyptic dream and they are quite correct who see it see in it a strange inversion of the Christian hope in the kingdom of heaven, right? This is this is the ape of God. He just takes what he sees, what's been achieved and given and lived by Christians for 2,000 years, and he does everything he can to invert it, to mock it, to blaspheme it, and to do the exact opposite. And this is what we see very clearly in front of us. Now, talk a little bit about transhuman religiosity and the apotheosis of the carnal man. And so if you cannot, if you will not work with God in achieving and coming to and accepting the gift of theosis and synergy with God, then you will work without him. And the only man that you will make into a God is the carnal fallen man, which is far, far, far from any God. But nonetheless, they go ahead. It's dominated, although it's dominated overwhelmingly by secular humanists, transhumanism, transhumanists take on a, a religious character. Inevitably, it's going to be. And the Antichrist will be both a religious leader 
and a political leader, so this is not surprising. It has a religious character, and it possesses both philosophical and mythical dimensions. It has an ontology and a theology, and taken together, they establish a mythos. Godless modern, moderns, desperate. Uh, that, that previous uh, quote was from J.P. Uh, Bishop. Godless moderns, desperate and disillusioned, are finding hope in the transhumanist gospel of imminent deliverance from sickness and death. This is very, very interesting here. <clears throat> we'll look at her in a second, but let me introduce her. She's the author of this book, Future Superhuman, Our Human, Transhuman Lives in a Make-or-Break Century. She's from Australia. She's very, very much a, uh, an icon, I think, of what we will see going forward. These are people who are growing up in this nihilist wasteland of post-Christian West. They're oblivious to Christ. They're oblivious to his church. They were yesterday's literary majors, and now they're tomorrow's transhumanist propagandists. They see post-humanity as inevitable. It's inevitable. It's, there's nothing we can do. It's just going to happen no matter what we do, right? It's inevitable. And they, they say only, and this is literally a phrase used by this author, only ape-brained meat sacks. It's talking about human beings. Dumb enough will, will not embrace it, right? There's only those uh, who are ape-brained meat sacks will be dumb enough not to embrace transhumanists. So there you go. That is the totalitarian future that transhumanism is preparing for all of us. If we do not get on board, we will be persecuted. We will be considered ape-brained meat sacks, brothers and sisters. Elisa Bohan, this young Australian author, as I said, of future super, superman, superhuman, is an apostle of the post-human gospel. She concedes that transhumanism is playing, is playing the role of religion, unlocking mysteries and playing God. She relates, or the author, rather, of the article relates, when Bohan was a PhD student, she gave her first big paper at a conference. Afterwards, a biologist came up to her and congratulated her on her work. Then he looked me in the eye and he whispered to me, we're building God, you know. She chuckles. I looked back at him and I said, yeah, I know. And then she said, well, not like as a religion, of course. No, 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 not as a religion. You're not religious, but you're playing God. But a lot of what has been talked about in religion, she says, omniscience, omnipotence, omnibenevolence, we hope, she says. We're at least getting closer to all that seeing, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-exploring force. Hmm, what could be that? What is that force if it's not God, that that seemingly all-knowing, seemingly all-seeing, seemingly all-exploring force that is not God? What could be behind your, your blasphemous and arrogance and your hubris except the fallen angel, Lucifer? Who else is animating your blind, arrogant stance, young lady? You are a tragic, tragic result 
of the nihilistic West, the post-Christian West, and God help you and all of you, all of those who follow after you. The fears and expectations of our time have generated a religious fervor and zeal among adherents with a corresponding religious social profile. Listen to this now. This is transhumanism as a religion. This is a book you see on the right here. Virtual Immortality, God, Evolution, and the Singularity in Post and Transhumanism. Okay, this is many books. There are many books one could cite. There's a growing bibliography of people who are expecting and living and working toward immortality in a religious with a religious fervor. Now, this is a very good and beautiful insight from Mr. from uh, uh, again uh, Jay Bishop. And I'm very grateful. This is fantastic. Listen to what he says here. The trans, this transhumanist social imaginary is deeply embedded within social institutions, especially the modern STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics culture. It has its holy places, like Silicon Valley or the Google Laboratory. It has its holy men and women, like Aubrey de Grey or Ray Kurzweil, who work diligently for the sake of the post-human. It has its visionary prophets like Natasha Vida Moore or Max Moore. It has its high priests like Elon Musk. It has its institutions of higher learning, the STEM University allied private enterprise, right? So we have much private enterprise now that's merging and supporting and funding so much of this work in the universities. It has a supporting philosophy, specifically the Anglo-American philosophy which draws its political relevance from its positions as the keeper of the proper dogmas, politically correct. You must not go beyond. You are a heretic if you do not follow closely behind this particular supporting philosophy of life. The philosophical stance at the heart of modern STEM universities is that of the naturalism that animates modern scientific enterprises. One could add to these religious characteristics of transhumanist faith, their sacraments are genetic therapeutics and mRNA vaccines. Let me repeat that. Their sacraments, this is my own addition to this very beautiful and uh, important insight. Their sacraments could be seen as their genetic therapeutics and the mRNA, mRNA vaccines. Their holy relics, the early human fossils found in Africa and other places and their holy icons, the futuristic cyborgs and ro robots that they wish they will become, that they'll, they're imitating and following after. So transhumanism is indeed a kind of religion for many, and it's the last religion, meaning the religion of Antichrist, the religion of the future, this is part of this whole vision, right? This will be part of it. Transhumanism, there's a book out, with this name here, Transhumanism, Singularity, and the Antichrist. So slowly but surely, people are getting wind of it all, and they're reacting, and they're writing, and we're seeing a bibliography on the other side as well. Now, let's talk about this messianic expectation. Very important. I think it's one of the most important things that they're going to contribute to humanity is this messianic expectation, and they're cultivating it in the masses by the prophets and the wise men of science and science fiction. Much of this was just science fiction. This is much is still science fiction. Much of this will remain science fiction. 
What's important here is not what they're going to achieve in 20 or 30 years. What's important is what they're going to cultivate in the masses of the people around the world. And that is a messianic expectation that they soon will be delivered from their postmodern misery. Right? The nihilistic world that they've created through a benevolent, impersonal superintelligence, which will rapidly advance biotechnical enhancement, even unto so-called immortality. Of course, it's not going to be immortality as we understand it, but it's going to be a continuous fallen existence of tragedy and, and, and uh, distortion of the human person. But they will call it immortality because they will live another 20 or another 30 or another 50 years or whatever they might achieve. Does it matter how many years we live here if we're going to end up dying inevitably and separated from God eternally? Of course not. This superintelligence is envisioned by the futurist Ray Kurzweil, author of The Age of Spiritual Machines, which you see here on the screen, and The Singularity is Near, one of the more important books written by transhumanists, as a technological fusion of human consciousness and artificial intelligence. So they're going to technologically fuse human consciousness. They believe they don't even know what consciousness is. They really do not have any clue what human consciousness is. And yet they're going to fuse it with artificial intelligence. Again, the arrogance of these men are, is just astounding. Following Kurzweil, we go back to Uval Noe Harari. And he explains the mindset created by the emerging significance of big data. Now, this is a topic we're just going to touch on very briefly. It's very large. You'd have to read quite a bit, and I'm, it's not so central to the, to the religious and spiritual and theological analysis that I'm engaging in, but just to touch on this briefly. <clears throat> this is him now talking about this datism, dataism, I should say, dataism. Like capitalism, dataism, too, began as a neutral scientific theory, but is now mutating, according to Harari, into a religion that claims to determine right and wrong. The supreme value of this new religion is information flow. If life is the movement of information, and if we think that life is good, so goes, so goes their logic, it follows that we should extend, deepen, and spread the flow of information in the universe. Who would ever thought that information alone would be seen as some kind of divine attribute instead of wisdom? Like people think by amassing information, they become wise. They could become doubly stupid and have tons of information. It's unbelievable. If life, or no, rather, according to dataism, human experiences are not sacred and Homo sapiens isn't the apex of creation or precursor of some future homo deus. So there's a apparently a conflict here in the various visions of transhumanists. Humans are merely tools for creating the internet of all things, which may eventually spread, which may eventually spread. One moment, let's just make sure, okay which may eventually spread out from planet Earth to cover the whole galaxy and even the whole universe. This cosmic data processing system would be like God. It will be everywhere and will control everything 
and humans are destined to merge into it. It's just inevitable, brothers and sisters. We will, whether we like it or not, submit to the totalitarian vision of these transhumanists. What in reality these things are, all of these ideas and promises and, and, and pledges of future bliss, they're vacuous promises. They're false hopes of a new techno-religion, which some call datism. And they have very chilling apocalyptic implications. Dataism, as Harari explains, combines the scientific claim that reality consists of data with the ethical claim that value of anything depends on its contribution to data processing. So given that, to close that section before we go on to the next one on Antichrist, if techno-humanism promises the deification of humanity, dataism guarantees its obsolescence. obsolescence. So that's another quote from a very good observer. So you can see all my bibliography in the paper, which will be posted on orthodoxethos.com along with this video uh, shortly. So this is um, truly, it's just stupendous to see the faith of these men in this new religion. And of course, where is it all leading? Where is it all leading? It's leading directly into unity with the demonic brothers and sisters. It's going and leading to the ubermensch, the superman, the devil's man of iniquity, and those united in him form this mystical body of the Antichrist. This is where things are headed. <clears throat> A vision of man, very important. We've, we've seen it is, it is inseparable from the Enlightenment and from the theory of evolution and from Nietzsche. All of these things are the intellectual roots and the forefathers of transhumanism. It saw an, uh, man as a one time as an ape, and now it will see supposedly man as a superman. And, and he will stand and he will look on the basis of his new heights that he's achieved of the superman. He will look back on humanity as this picture shows you, uh, and he will be a God over the rest of uh, humanity, the past that was humanity. So this is, of course, all leading toward the man of iniquity. But on the other hand, it's not nothing. It's nothing really new, is it? We've seen this before in history. The transhumanists are merely seeking to build a new Tower of Babel to reach unto heaven and thus make a name for themselves. Genesis 1, 11, 4. The Babylonians used the technology of their day, brick and mortar, and the transhumanists, the new Babylonians, they use AI, genetic engineering, and other modern technology. And just like the blind Babylonians of old, with desperate actions of self-preservation, they seek life and unity outside of union with God, outside of themselves, ultimately, and outside of God, of course. They imagine God-like greatness in their demonically inspired arrogance, much of which will not happen and for which they will also be scattered. They will also be scattered as they were at the, in the days of the Tower of Babel, and they will be shattered like a potter's vessel, like those who resisted the God-man in his incarnation in the times of the, of the Lord's 
crucifixion. They will be shattered because this is abomination in the sight of God. If then, however, their Luciferic plans of God-like recreation and autonomy are doomed, what is the meaning of transhumanism? And what will it accomplish? What is the meaning of transhumanism? And what will it accomplish? It is my understanding, my belief, my conclusion that transhumanism, like communism before it, is actually a very powerful heresy whose central thesis is Chileasm. This is Father Seraphim Rose talking 60 years ago. History is to reach its culmination in an indefinite state of earthly blessedness, supposedly. A perfected mankind living in perfect harmony and peace. Again, one finds the same theme, the coming of the kingdom of God on earth. Wherever you see the gospel, the church, the preachers of the, of the church, Christians supposedly in name, preaching heavenly peace, uh, rather earthly peace, heaven on earth, in, in the midst of the fallen humanity, uh, an end to war, a, a unity of all mankind, and all of this dreamy utopian vision for humanity without God, outside of the, the incarnation, outside of the mysteries, outside of the continuation incarnation of the church, this is the self-same spirit of chiliasm, of utopia, of coming of Antichrist. It's one and the same. So not unlike the various utopias before, this is a the, the newest version. It's the latest form of the mystery of iniquity. And thus a preparation for and a path to Antichrist. It's the ultimate transition from atheistic humanism to satanic superhumanism. Its purpose is to shape the ubermensch of Nietzsche, but with his luciferic lightning striking the earth through the superintelligence of AI. AIs, everybody's looking for AI. What, what, what's AI going to give us? Well, well now we can, we can play games on the internet. We can talk to an AI. A new AI has been introduced. And, of course, it's filled with the bias and the passions and the arrogance of its creators, but no bother. We're super excited about this new toy we can go and play without. Why do, why do we want to turn away from our fellow human being? Well, because we don't even know who we are. We don't even understand what our purpose of our life is. So we'd rather be with a machine and talk to a machine. If humanism was the greatest sin of all, as Elder Athanasius Tidaneo says, if humanism was the greatest sin of all, right? Because it's man-centered. It places all trust in whatsoever the human mind produces, this is the enlightenment, this is humanism, right? If it's the, that's the greatest sin of all, well, transhumanism, with this luciferic promise of an autonomous humanity, which will have the keys to life and death, is demon-centered. It's demonically oriented, right? Abandoning humanity to the super-intellect, which will animate the expected AI super-antichrist, superman-antichrist, right? It's all going to lead to submission to this Superman, which will be none other than the Antichrist. Transhumanism is the path, brothers and sisters, to Antichrist for another reason. Whereas humanism took man from its God-centered unity in the only one who united all things in himself, the Theanthropos, transhumanism transcends, transhumanism transcends human limitations 
by placing unity beyond man in Superman. Transunion is thus leading man directly into unity with the demonic, as we said. The rejection of the God-man on a global scale and his replacement by the man-god is the last temptation of history. It has been prophesied by Christ himself in the book of Revelation. He says about the end times, the last temptation. Thou hast kept the word of my patience, and I will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And Elder Athanasius and others say, because this temptation will affect the entire world, it is none other than the temptation to reject the Theanthropos, the great adulteration of faith in the Theanthropos, the Theanthropic person of Jesus Christ. And how will that be? By the acceptance of man, of the superman, of the post-human creation of man. We must not be naive idolatrous hum, transhumanist utopian fantasy is alluring to modern man and those chestless men right that 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 c.s lewis talks about and it will ensnare not a few secularized so-called christians into denying the theanthropic nature of christ and his body this is the temptation that will touch many who call themselves Christians because they have not the spirit of God. And they will say, and there's already a transhumanist Christian movement, believe it or not. People who call themselves Christians and yet are embracing transhumanism. There's books and there's a defense supposedly of this, of this uh, position, which is, of course, indefensible. 60 years ago, Father Seraphim Rose wrote of the great adulteration of faith with such insight that it is still tremendously illuminating today in the face of the further development of the chiliastic outlook, which so animates these last times. And he says, the kingdom is not of the world and Christianity can be successful, quote unquote, on one condition, that of renouncing the true kingdom, the true theanthropos, right? The true end, which is theosis, right? You have to renounce this if you're going to be successful in this world renouncing it and seeking to build up a kingdom in this world. You see this going on right now, all around us. This is what's happening, right? We're in the midst of this whole development, a kingdom on earth. And many who call themselves Christians will embrace this. And I've already embraced it. They're already working toward it. This is a big part of the humanist heresy, right? Embracing and working for the good of man, for success, for peace, for the environment, for all these things, putting aside the preaching of the gospel, putting aside the preaching of the crucified one. What does Paul say? I preach Christ crucified, he said, right? What does that mean? That we're not here for this fallen world. This is a passing sick world. And we're already living in the kingdom. We're already looking to the eschaton. This is not for us. We are, we are pilgrims. We are strangers here. So when you see... Christians of whatever stripe, including patriarchs and bishops and theologians, striving and turning on with with all their uh, attention toward the betterment, the improvement, the increase, the enhancement of mankind as such in this fallen world without reference, without incorporation, without uh, 
initiation into the incarnation, then you have this, this great temptation of the last times. You have the great adulteration of faith already. And we're watching it before us. We're watching it unfold in real time before us. The earthly kingdom is precisely the goal of the modern mentality. The building of it is the meaning of the modern age. Brother Sarah from Rose. It is not Christian. As Christians know, we know that this kingdom is not the kingdom that's not of this world. It's the kingdom of the Antichrist. The modern idealism that hopes for heaven on earth hopes likewise for the vague transformation of man, right? This is what humanism, transhumanism is all about, transformation of man. The ideal of the superman, diverse forms, conscious or not, which however absurd, and indeed this vision is extremely absurd and the arrogance of extremity, that unbelievable. It has great appeal to a mentality that has been trained to believe in evolution and progress. You see here the great failure of many Orthodox theologians, so-called. Those who've gone before us, even those who were Orthodox in many ways, but and who have taught us much. They have failed the Orthodox by not understanding the importance of evolution, by indeed being in favor of evolution, just a few days ago, there was the repose of Metropolitan John of Zulus of Pergamon, who, as I understand it, was okay with, the, with evolution. He reconciled Orthodox theology with evolution. God, help us when we don't even understand the cornerstone of the modern man and his vision and the mentality is evolution. It's, it's un, it's, you cannot understand this world today without evolution, which is not just a scientific theory, of course, but a whole religion, a whole philosophy, a whole mentality of which is now uh, being uh, ending and, and coming to fruition in transhumanism. The spirit behind transhumanism is the self-same spirit which, seeking an earthly paradise, prepares the way for Antichrist. For Christianity is a crusade, right? It's about Achieving worldly goals. That's what he means. Christ is now an idea. He's a great teacher, like the Arians believe, and many of the Protestants. Uh, they don't understand his theanthropic nature, the church's theanthropic nature. They don't understand theosis, right? That means that we have Christ as a teacher or someone who saves us from a distance and all the rest of the various soteriologies, which are delusional. There are those who call themselves Christians who have such an idea about Christ and the church. In the service of the world, a world transformed by scientific and social techniques, and a man virtually deified by the awakening of a new consciousness, this lies before us. Prophetic words from Father Seraphim Rose 60 years ago. Let me repeat that last line. In the service of a world transformed by scientific and social techniques, pretty much describes the whole uh, progress of science, like AI and all the rest, and a man virtually deified the new man that they're creating, by the awakening of a new consciousness, supposedly they're going to merge consciousness with, with intelli artificial intelligence. This lies before us, brothers and sisters. This is what we're dealing with. So what are we going to do? What should be our stance? Well, first of all, have no fear. We must not be surprised or shaken before the satanic dream of transhumanism. 
we must not be surprised or shaken. The Lord promised that he will be with us until the end of the age. And even before the face of Antichrist, he commands us to not be afraid. For we not only know the Alpha and Omega of history, we are members of his body, one with him, and therefore we have an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, according to the Apostle Paul. And in the book of Revelation, we read that he that is an unjust, the Logos tells us, let him be unjust still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. For behold, the Lord says, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to the work, as his work shall be. Our reward, brothers and sisters, is Christ himself. We want nothing else. We want nothing from this world. We want no utopia. We want no rewards. We want nothing. We absolutely want nothing from this world except to be with Christ before we depart from this life. Our reward is Christ himself, and he will in no wise lose us from his hand, but will raise us up on the last day. This is his promise. This is what he's already given us in the life of the church. So we have nothing to fear. Glory be to God that he gives us eyes to see through our holy fathers. He gives us a sense of what's happening. We're not sleepwalking. We're observing and we're going to uh, avoid, as St. Ignatius Branchoninov says, flee and avoid the great apostasy, the great temptation that's coming to humanity. Amen. Hey.